Hey there. How's it going? Welcome to the Grace Rancho weekly podcast, mostly sort of weekly podcast, uh, where our goal is to help you, our church members, better understand the what and the why behind all we do as a church. I'm Michael. I'm here with Pastor Eric. How's it going, church? Good. <laughs> Can they not reply? No, they can't. They can't hear you right now. They can't hear you yet because we're recording this. Um, it's been a few weeks. Yes. Is the last one we did with Mark or did you and I do one? We did one on uh, the spiritual disciplines after you did That's the right. one with Mark. That's right. That's right. That was a good one. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But it's been a little busy. Yeah, tent blew down, working on figuring out what we're going to do. You've had other things to do as well. Yeah. I've had other things to do. And so we just didn't end up recording any podcasts. So sorry, uh, Frank, Ashley, my mom. Eric McDonald. Yep. Greg. Greg. And Taylor? Yeah, Taylor. Ezra. <laughs> so sorry, you, you guys, for not getting those ones out. I know you were waiting uh, hungrily for the next one, but here it is now. Finally, we're getting to it. But today we've got a fitting topic. Yeah. Busyness. Work, yeah. work and rest, rhythms, structure, mm-hmm. planning. It's come up in the text of Mark. It did uh, a last, couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, and it'll actually be coming up again this Sunday. What do you know? Yeah. So you preached two weeks ago on rest. Yeah. And it sounds like you're preaching a little bit on it this coming week. And you said you had a fair amount of feedback. Well, the first, yeah, two weeks ago, Jesus plans a retreat for the disciples. And he tells them we're going to get on the boat. We're going to get away. We're going to go to a desolate place to rest a while. And... I was going to lump that in with the whole feeding of the 5,000 originally because it's in that same section. Mm -hmm. And then as I studied it, I thought the fact that Jesus wants his disciples to rest is so revolutionary for an American who is not prone to rest. We are typically like workaholics. We worship work. Oh, I just read this somewhere. I think it was Gunnar Gunderson in a tweet said, if work is an idol, rest feels like a sin. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of us think. Sure. So yeah, we were, we, and we talked about it after the sermon, several people came up to me and I felt like you were talking to me, uh, you know, addressing my life. And I just think, you know, first of all, I'm addressing, you know, look, looking at the text, but trying to think about how it applies to my own life. And I figure a lot of others are experiencing some of the same things so yeah rest is an important topic for us if we want to have longevity in life and ministry we got to know how to have rhythms and of rest in our life so true uh let's talk about busyness for a minute okay. as we delve into this busyness bad good depends give us some examples of bad busyness then Bad busyness. I read a book by Kevin DeYoung. I have it here in front of me, this green one, Crazy Busy. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the bad kind of busyness. The bad kind of busyness is you're, you're frazzled and you're joyless 
there's no joy in what you're doing. You're just kind of squeezing um, by in life. There's there's no time to work on your heart in the bad kind of busyness. You're just kind of rushing through every day with no time for pausing and thinking and reflecting and self-evaluation. And, and third, and these are all related, the bad kind of busyness um, it can be uh, good things that you're doing. Like you could be busy with church. You could be busy with people and relationships and parenting and reading good books. Like those could all be busy things. Mm-hmm. But if but busyness can also cover the 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 rottenness in your heart like you can look at your busyness and say i matter because of all these things i'm doing like i am holy or spiritual or fruitful and productive because my schedule's full it can be an an outward an outward fruit but maybe not an inward fruit yeah and it's a whitewashed tomb it's you're you're showing something off that is contradicting what's actually in your heart and and that's dangerous there's this there's this line in this book where he, he says busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance a a hedge against emptiness it's like interesting we we don't want to sit there and, and contemplate who we really are before god so we fill our lives with busyness no matter what it is right so Maybe not as much of a virtue as we think it is, though you could have really, really good busyness and honor the Lord in it and still have rest, but not as much baseline of a virtue, maybe more of a problem sometimes in our lives. I think maybe for us more of a problem, we need to learn how to, to, to really rest. But as, a, as an example of good busyness, think of Jesus. Yep. I mean, this Jesus is incredibly busy. Just read like Mark emphasizes this as we re- go through it. Everywhere he goes, crowds are following him. Mm-hmm. People are some people are against him. Disciples with him constantly, and and you wouldn't say that he's frazzled. You wouldn't say that he's not addressing the the, the important things. And and so in our text this coming Sunday, so after the, he plans the retreat, retreat gets interrupted. He feeds the five thousand, and then it says he sends all the crowds away, and he goes up into a mountain. Mm-hmm. And he prays. He sends the disciples away. He sends the crowds away. And Jesus finds a way to prioritize his relationship with his father uh, in the midst of this busyness. That's, I mean, I don't know you know, what else to say. You, We could make all kinds of do this, this, and this is kind of a, you know, three steps to a less busy life. Yep. But the heart of it is looking at Christ. He just makes time for his father. Yeah. And, and addresses the deepest needs he has as a, as a human being. So, for us, what is typically at the heart of busyness? The bad this, kind of business. We might not see all these things in scripture, right? We're, we're looking at, we're thinking now and we're saying, what, you know, this kind of bad kind of busyness that can kind of produce spiritual rot even in our lives. Yeah. Where does it come from often? Um, so, we jotted down some things here. One, Messiah complex. That, I can fix it all. I can do it all. I'm going to make your problems go away. Yeah. I'm going to do all the things at church yeah. and everything's going to function because of me. Yeah. If I am removed from the occasion, the, the, uh, the equation, yep. it all comes tumbling down like Jenga blocks. Like you're the one block that me, holds it so all together. So I must be busy. Yeah. And we, we like feeling needed sure. and it feeds our pride. <clears throat> um, 
but we're not actually as needed as we think we are. Uh, the other one, and this is a, another one that's I think probably more common than Messiah complex is the inability to turn off and shut down. You called this the twilight zone. I did a couple weeks ago, <laughs> not the show. The, oh, really? Not yeah, no, surprise, <laughs> yeah, not the show. The phone is on, the email is checked, the texts are buzzing. Maybe the laptop's even open. The constantly. laptop's open. Work you, from home, easier to do this now. Yeah, yeah. I, I one one of the uh, conversations after church was talking about how it, this is more difficult because of work at home where. It's like this haze of never off and never on. You're always mm-hmm. kind of half home, half at work. And so there's no rest in that. Um, but, you know, the, the times we, we check our phones at the table yep. when we should be just, you know, taking a deep breath and, and really resting with our family. And you, you know, can almost fool yourself. Like, well, I'm not doing work right now, but I'm looking at my phone. Yeah. Someone might say. Right. Well, no, that you're distracting yourselves once yeah. again. You're yeah. being busy with nothing now. Yeah. So I think we, because of the accessibility um, of, of modern technology, we have the, we can just constantly be on and distracted and our hearts aren't resting. Uh, people pleasing, which is kind of yep. another species of Messiah complex is I feel like I need to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going crazy. Um, I can't say no to you right. if you need me for something. Yeah. I can't say no to you because you want to get coffee or whatever yeah and and it's tearing me apart or it's breaking me down but but i don't want to let you down i don't want you to yep. think less of me i'm i'm not going to miss fill in the blank or say no to fill in the blank because i'm afraid of what someone else might think if i'm not there yeah or doing that thing they will think i'm less spiritual if i don't show up to this yep um, if i don't participate in a growth group this time around they're all going to think i'm not committed um but hey, there are times to not go to growth group. Raise your hand if you're not in a growth group right now. We both Two raise hands our hands. Up in the room. <laughs> That's not because we don't like growth groups. Man, we love growth groups, but we are taking Ashley and I at least are taking this season to. Um, I got some other counseling things we've been doing. We have people over. We also want to spend time thinking about people who are not really in our church membership yet, or they're in our church membership, but they're not really in a growth group. And just spend time. Over yep. dinner with families like that. Absolutely. You just had a baby. So, I mean, just it's had a baby. nice to schedule, have that family time. Being with family. Um, I think another thing that, that drives busyness is these unrealistic goals and expectations for our families. Mm-hmm. And in particular, sometimes what parents can, um, the, these idea, these grandiose ideas that parents have for their kids, like my kid's going to be the next Mozart or the next Michael Jordan. And if and so if he's going to be that, I need to put him in every possible extracurricular activity <laughs> to make sure that he has that college scholarship so he can attain this this goal I have for him. And your kids too. And your kids too. <laughs> but you got him in soccer, and you got him in violin class, and you got him in, you know, he's doing all these things. He doesn't know quite know why, but man, you're running yourself ragged trying to make this perfect life for him. And it really is unrealistic. It actually ends up being harmful for the kid because it's harmful for your own soul. Mm-hmm. And he needs different priorities. He needs to know how to uh, prioritize the Lord and his purposes. What about lack of discipline? That's a big one. I think that's a big one as well. There's a lot of people I've talked to who 
feel frazzled and busy and then you, you 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 start poking a little bit you lift over lift up the rock and see what's underneath and you see oh you you don't have a bedtime um and so you you stay up late and then you wake up late because you're tired mm-hmm. and, and you're then, still tired and you're still tired and you're scrambling um there's no discipline if you have kids sometimes there's no discipline structure for your kids and so they kind of run your your day-to-day um and you're you're all it's almost like you're playing catch up you're always trying to catch up from a lack of sleep or falling behind in this or falling sure. behind at work and so you're you're not disciplined and so you're scrambling so some bad examples but as we look to Christ as an example of both i mean busyness work think of Christ's three busy years of ministry but also rest uh what do we see from him from Christ well, yeah, I mean, several times in the Gospels, we see him withdrawing to rest and to pray and to spend time with his heavenly father. Um, in Mark, there are three times that are described that he gets away all by himself to pray. Can you think of them? In Mark, uh, the one you're about to mention. <laughs> yeah. In Mark 8 or 9. Right, we're. I wish we were in eight or nine. We're much slower than that. We're you know, in, I did that in, the other day too. We're in chapter six. Still. Six. Thank you. Uh, in the garden. Yes, that's going to be in Mark. I know. Mark fourteen, uh, Garden of Gethsemane. He withdraws to pray. Mark six, where we are now, yep. after the feeding of the five thousand, he withdraws to pray. And there's one at the beginning. Temptation. That's not Mark. I mean, the temptation is is, but no. In Mark, explicitly described as withdrawing to pray is after that long day in chapter one where he's healing, mm-hmm. he's healing, he casts the demon out of the person in the synagogue, everyone's crowding at his door, and he, he, he sends him away, he goes to sleep, he wakes up early the next morning, and mm-hmm. he gets somewhere, and then all the disciples come looking for him, people are wondering where you are, right. but he had dr- he would have withdrawn so he could pray. And it's interesting, in each one of those instances, that Mark highlights Jesus got away to pray. There seems to be a significant temptation that he's facing in that mm. the first one, he's basically being tempted to be the, the healer, the, who, who, you know, how easy would it be for him to just be the healer and not have to be the redeemer who sheds his blood? Sure. You know, so he has all these people, hundreds of people crowding him and just saying, heal me, heal me, heal me. But he goes, no, I got to go teach. So I'm, I'm going to resist the temptation to just be here, be your guru. I'm going to move on. And then in this one, what did he just do? He fed the 5,000. Mm-hmm. In John 6, it says they tried to make him king in this, right after this instance. So he, as a, you know, to resist that temptation, again, it's, a, it's similar to the temptations originally, which are, you know, you can you can become a political king now and you won't have yep. to die on that cross. Yeah. And the people are saying, you know, be our king. You can make food for us. You can feed us whenever we're hungry. Hmm. And Jesus withdraws and says, no. And he goes back and it's almost like he's reestablishing, what is my purpose here? Yeah. And then and that is what happens in the garden. He's faced with the temptation of the cross and he's going, not my will. Or he's going, if, if I can, let this pass but not my will, but yours be done. So now the real, like the temptation has come to a head of mm. now, you know, you're going to have to face the cross and he's praying. Is, is there any other way? But in his prayer, he does 
resolve, no, I'm going to follow your own will. I think each one of those, you know, Jesus is reestablishing his purpose, you know, before God saying, I'm not here to be a healer. I'm not here to be a political king yet. I'm not here to avoid suffering. I am here to die and to suffer on behalf of my people. So Christ prays before major temptations. I think there's a good lesson in that. If, yeah. if you're, see, Jesus had to know his purpose in life was to glorify the Father, and he lived for that. But to live for the purposes of the Father requires his help. And interestingly, I mean, we might think about this and say, okay, I'll throw up a quick prayer. Yeah. I mean, he's not modeling that. He's modeling, he's going somewhere yep. and taking time. Yeah hours to pray yeah hours not oh i think this is gonna be a hard situation i'm driving there lord please help me with this yeah well that brings us to the next one now that's not a bad prayer necessarily no, do that you can be dependent and do that but it's more um thoughtful than that yeah he and that the next thing that you notice in in this Mark passage that we're going to preach on, it says he made the disciples get in the boat. He made the crowds leave. He dismissed them. And then he went up the mountain. And so just the order of those things is interesting to me. He first sent people away. He, he had a plan. He had to prepare. He didn't just say, I'm going to start praying now. He, he made effort to make his environment ready from depression. He went up mm -hmm. the mountain. He got away. He, it wasn't something that just happened. You know, like, oh, I'm just going to pray now here where I am. He planned it. He, he prepared goes, it. He does it. And he, he, he sends people away. He takes initiative yep. to say, I need to pray now. So you need to go leave, leave, <laughs> um, which Again, I think it's very instructive for us to look at the life of Christ and say, if he wanted to pray, he needed to prepare for it. He needed mm -hmm. to send people away. He needed to say no to certain engagements and um, you know, say no to people wanting to make him king. Mm -hmm. If you want to pray, you need to prepare to pray. You don't just wake up one morning with all the time in the world. If you don't plan it, it'll be stolen from you. That goes into the third thing you have here. Because mm -hmm. he planned to be in private. And that's the third one, but he was alone and he went up the mountain alone. So there are times to, obviously we pray corporately in our church every Sunday. Uh, we hope you pray with one another throughout the week and at church. Um, we hope you pray with your spouse and with your kids if you got them, but you also need to be like Jesus and get alone. I don't know if there's like, Again, we could talk about 10 steps to a less cluttered life, but, but underneath all of that needs to be, you must have times of private prayer. Your, your soul could still be frantic and busy yeah. if your life is clean and tidy and nothing going on. Right. Um, a few questions before okay. we finish. Yeah. First question. Uh, what do you say to the mom who's got kids who seem to never let her rest. I yeah. mean, they're up from dawn until dusk and then mom wants to go to sleep too, right? Yeah. Uh, or the dad who's like, hey, I'm not trying to work a lot, but my job requires 50, 60 hours plus overtime. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just really like, it feels like if I'm going to be able to provide for my family and keep this job, it feels like I've got no time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think those are realistic questions. And I think there's members of our church who are asking those questions. And so I'd say two things. One is seek the help of other brothers and sisters to see if there are ways that you can get some rest. You might just not know it. Yeah, there might be ways that you're just not seeing it. You're going, oh man, I can't do it. But maybe you haven't asked for help. It might be creative. It might be different. Yeah. Um, Maybe you haven't thought of this avenue. Um, And so maybe, I'm not saying, you know, that that's necessarily going to be the answer, but Mm -hmm. um, it could be. And I would say, uh, try to try to work for it. Maybe you need to work a little harder at f- carving out a little bit of time. Sure. And maybe you can, you just haven't really exhausted every resource. You know when you're busy, sometimes yeah. it's surprising, but perhaps you can plan. Yeah. And if that plan gets interrupted, so be it. Trust but at least plan for it, like this, Christ <clears throat> planned to get away. Yeah. And then the second one would be um, the fact that Jesus is praying up the, on that mountain in Mark 6, reminds us and shows us that he, he actually, his whole life was praying. Like he prayed and you read Luke, actually Luke again and again shows all these instances. He's praying. He regularly prays. He prays in Luke after the resurrection when he appears to the two guys on the road to Emmaus. Yeah. And scripture tells us that after he ascends to heaven, what's he doing right now? Interceding for He's us. He's interceding for us. So, so if you have a hard time praying, Remember this, Jesus is not having a hard time praying and he is praying for you. He is strong in prayer where you are weak. He is consistent in prayer when you are inconsistent. He is never distracted when you are. Um, He is never confused when you are. And so there is so much hope. I personally find a lot of encouragement in my own prayer life, when I realize, man, my prayers are so frail, distracted, all over the place, wandering. Uh, when I remember, I'm so thankful my Lord is praying for yeah. me on my behalf. He's my intercessor, my great high priest. And he, you know, he was up earlier than me this morning praying for me. <laughs> and he never fell asleep. I mean, he's been praying for me constantly. <laughs> and Have you ever fallen asleep while praying? Uh, Ashley has. You haven't? I probably have. I totally have. I actually fell asleep while praying out loud. I've never done that. <laughs> That's our joke. I've we, actually done that. She's. Yeah. That's what happens when you pray like laying down in yeah, your bed right closed. before you sleep. Yeah. Um, so, so to the weary mom and to the you know, working dad, um, rest in the fact that your great high priest, Jesus, understands your, your position. He knows your frame. And he prays for you and he prays and succeeds where you fail. So rejoice in that. Second question, there okay. were, you know, one question lumped together there. Second question is what about the person whose life feels so busy or frantic or stressful that getting to church on Sundays is like, feels like one of the hardest things or is like, if I'm going to rest, it's going to be then. So should I go to church? Mm. Yeah. I, I would want to ask more questions about that situation and what's going on in that guy's heart um, or even that guy's schedule and maybe start seeing if there would be ways to reshape his schedule or even reshape how he's thinking about these things. <clears throat> but uh, I, would, I would encourage him to drag himself to church <laughs> because it's that valuable. Yeah. 
And really the rest that your soul needs <clears throat> is found in Christ and a good church service points you right there. Let, it, let it grab you yeah. and direct you towards him. Yeah. And, and, and the way also a church is meant to function is the people um, help you focus on Christ. Even at, in our member commitments, we say we're going to bear one another's burdens. Yeah. And if you've got burdens in your life that make it feel like Sundays are hard, then bring people around you. Yeah. Come to church and let people help. It takes humility to do that. Sure. Big time humility. Sure. But come with like tears in your eyes and come with a heavy heart and, and lay it all at the feet of the Savior and let your brothers and sisters bear your burdens. Trust that they won't look down on you and judge you and point fingers. Um, mature saints have been right where you are and they can sympathize. Um, so yeah, don't, don't not go. It's like, you know, you're, if, if you refrain from going to church because you're feeling tired, that's like refraining from going to bed because you're tired. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the rest that you actually need is there at church. Like the true rest that you actually yeah. need. Now I think there's, there's more about like, if you're working from, you know, 7 p.m. to 9 a.m. and church starts at 10 and then you start work again on Sunday night or something, that might be a different conversation. Yep. But yep. but for the person who could make it, it just feels like a big burden to be there. Um, I think, yeah, just do all you can to be there and trust the Lord in, to, to work in you and those, those things. Good, good, thanks. Before we finish, book recommendation. So I'm only five pages, just chapters in. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> Have you read it before? <laughs> um, to Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life, subtitle, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. And I'm, I'm already very helped by it, encouraged by it. It's a book that comes very gently toward you if you feel like you're really bad at praying he uh, his daughter is autistic and so all through mm -hmm. the book he uses this example of his daughter who ha can hardly talk um who struggles with any kind of communication he uses her in various stories and uses her an example and it's really moving but it's a reminder of we are really it's really hard for us to pray well mm. we are in in a sense like this daughter that he has and uh, he uses that comparison of how thrilled he is when his daughter talks to him, how much a big deal and how the father loves his children. He loves to hear from them, even if it's, you know, confusing and we're distracted hard to get out. and hard to get out and, and not quite what it should be. He is so in love with his children that for us to come to him is a delight to him. And, and so I think we beat ourselves up thinking we're not good at praying. And uh, I think, if we just say, no, I'm a child and he's my father, he loves me. Mm. It really frees us to pray. So he, that's kind of the first section of the book that I've really been enjoying and reminding me, just, just come to him with everything and all the time. Awesome. So, a Praying Life by Paul Miller. Thanks for that. And thanks for talking. We'll Thank you. see you guys all on Sunday.